Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode number 56. My next guest is, he's on the front lines. He's doing stuff for the kingdom. It's amazing. I love this guy. Um, He is the founder of Freedom for the Nations. He is the host of This is Freedom podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. And he's also the host of the Highways TV program. Let's welcome my guest today, DeMonte Edmonds. Thank you. It's great to be be back on, Jeff, with you and the team and the audience. And I love you guys and blessings to all. Absolutely. Yeah. And so for any of you guys that missed DeMonte's last episode, we're going to put a link in the description so you can go check that out. Um, DeMonte, uh, for those that don't know who you are and there's anything that I missed, go ahead and give a little bit about yourself. Well, as well, you can see behind me, I'm an author and I've written certain, uh, several books, um, some of them on the prophetic as well. They're all on Amazon, those places. And, um, I'm a husband of 12 years and father of four kids that I was joking with you about earlier. Yeah. I just love to see the reality of Jesus show up for people with Jesus being made real in the earth, whether through prophetic miracles, glory of God, or however he wants to show up. And so I'm a Jesus lover. Yeah. And the thing I love about you, you know, is you're, I mean, you definitely have a, uh, a apostolic anointing, um, and very operate in a very powerful prophetic gifting healings, all of that stuff. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's something that I love. I mean, you, I said last time, but you were very instrumental in helping me understand my gift of discerning of spirits. Um, and so, yeah, through your book, you can see it back there, everybody discerning spirits by DeMonte Edmonds link in the description to all those books. You guys make sure to buy him. He's a great resource, a wealth of knowledge. Just, you have a lot of experience operating in the prophetic. Um, and so I love it. So everybody you're in for a treat today thank you so yeah so what is what's the lord what's i got a list of notes here but what's the lord putting your heart to share for today well one of the things is you know when i was i want to say i'm still coming up in the lord we all have places to mature and grow but when i was first really getting my foot wet in the i want to say the spirit field world of of church things there was always this talk about revival there was always this expectancy a revival or a great outpouring and there was always talks about you know, the Toronto blessing or Brownsville and Azusa Street. And then that that kind of has data. We heard talks about the apostolic, the prophetic, and that's still, you know, in motion. But the expectancy for an outpouring, and I don't want to even use the word revival. I don't think that's an accurate description. I think that's just, you know, what we term, we group all of those outpourings as revivals, and they are to some degree. Um, but I believe that God still wants to pour out on this nation. I know there's mm-hmm. You know, I travel a lot internationally and I know he's doing things in the nations. Um, I feel like I'm more of a prophet to the nations than to the U.S. maybe at this season. But I feel that there's a hunger and expectancy that we need to stir up and pray into because God wants to pour out in this nation to bring healing, uh, to bring. uh, Let me say this to come against the degradation of morality, Mm. you know, now. In so many states, I'm not going to tease Oregon. Marijuana is legal. <laughs> I mean, you can't. <laughs> you know, when I when I came out there with you guys before, and I was in Oregon, yeah. And uh, you know, I went to lunch with Steve. I, I had to take a picture. I said, "There's a marijuana shop." Like I had never oh, yeah. several years ago, but now on the East Coast, in the South, is everywhere. You know, when you look at television, 
compared to when I grew up, things are different. And so there's been a degradation yeah. of morality. And I believe there's a new standard of holiness, not a new standard, old standard, but new for this generation of holiness that will come with that outpouring. So I believe there's Amen. many things that God wants to do with revival. But I say it's the outpouring of his spirit that brings an awakening to who God really is and what he's really calling us to do Amen. and who he's calling us to be in the earth. Amen. So you mentioned that you're more of a prophet to the nations right now. And something that I've been curious about, because, you know, we do hear a lot about, I mean, we're obviously based here in America. Um, we hear a lot about what God is doing in the right now, but obviously I, a lot of people know I was in mission. So I have a huge heart for the world um, and what God, God's heart for the world, not just for America. Um, yes. Are there some things that you're seeing happen around the world where you're like seeing where, like what the Lord is doing in different places and maybe seeing those pieces kind of come together for nation to nation. Oh, I see God is doing this over here. Uh, that that could actually, I see how that connects, you know, with America's, what God is doing in America. Has the Lord shown you stuff regarding that? Yeah. So it's interesting that a lot of times like a big puzzle in each, I believe each nation has their piece to what God's going to do in each generation. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I say more of a prophet to the other nations, you know, sometimes I can go into prayer, or just get before the Lord and like that. He's giving me these long detailed drawn out words for nations wow. but with the u.s i have to more press in i have to pray mm -hmm. i have to you know fast i have to <laughs> you know i have to go through just yeah. a little bit more um and i just think we just have different seasons but yeah. i want to say this that each nation plays its part in the end time harvest and in each generation for instance um sometimes the lord may show me not necessarily that it's going to be a revival with miracle signs and wonders in the nation, but he wants to do something with the economics and the finances because they may be the ones that um, will be sending missionaries out, sending mm -hmm. uh, ministry gifts out because the history of the United States is really a missionary nation. Mm -hmm. If you go back into, you know, post Native Americans, the indigenous yeah. population, a lot of uh, the first founders, the first fathers that came over, they came for religious freedoms. Mm -hmm. And then once the nation began to prosper, we were the number one mission sending nation in the world. We were the ones that took the gospel back into Europe. Mm -hmm. um, we took the gospel into Africa, into Asia and all these places. But if we didn't have the resources and the finances to do that, to support those missionaries, it would have been difficult. And yeah. so a lot of times the Lord shows me He's doing this over here, but it's going to affect that over there. So I, mm. I do agree with your assessment. That's awesome. So this move of God, obviously, we've been contending for revival. Um, and I, it does. I've noticed that, too. You said, you know, they would talk about the the Azusa Street revival and all of that. And and I have noticed, I would say definitely in the I would say like 2010 to like I started to notice people talking about those different revivals up until maybe like really two years ago. And now it really just seems like so many people, uh, people that I very unlikely people, in my opinion, that I'm noticing they're all kind of pointing God's realigning people's visions to point towards a singular direction. And, uh, you know, you've got different denominations coming together, uh, despite, you know, get, putting aside non-salvation issues that we allowed to hang us up and divide us pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, you know, rapture. Churches got divided over that kind of stuff. But what I'm noticing now as well is that there's a lot of people talking about revival. Um, and so what, what needs to happen within us? How do we equip ourselves to 
posture ourselves in a good position to actually be used by God in this revival? Well, I think we have to stay in a place of maintaining and protecting our personal intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. It starts there with intimacy. Every revival started with someone that was intimate with God. God birthed a vision in their heart. Uh, not necessarily to start a revival. A lot of times it was, you know, to restore what was in the book of Acts or uh, just to grow, grow closer to God. And out of that revival was birthed for Daddy Seymour. He just had a burden for prayer. He And he prayed. He prayed four hours a day. And he said, Lord, what, what, what am I doing wrong? The Lord said, you're not praying enough. He prayed five hours a day. He said, Lord, what am I doing wrong? He said, you're not praying enough. He went to six hours and then all heaven broke loose there in Azusa. Um, and most of us won't get that type of call to pray six hours a day or that type of grace. But I believe more importantly, uh, there's always a preparation of a people. And there will be individuals, individuals that are catalysts for revival, but we all need to be prepared so that when God pours out, whether it's a large measure or a small measure, we're walking in our calling, we're walking in our assignment, and we're positioned doing what we're supposed to do. Uh, because guys like yourself, let's say over in Minnesota, let's say in Iowa, somewhere that you don't really see on the news, uh, except for election times. Somebody begins to move in the things of God and God begins to pour out. And there's great miracle signs, wonders and all these great things. Mm -hmm. But then guys like you and Steve that can give the coverage to it and let people know what's taking place. I mean, that multiplies it. That gives exponential increase to it. And it, it, it touches so many people around the world. And so we all have a part to play. We need to, you know, focus on intimacy with Jesus, but as well out of that intimacy, find out it, where we fit in and do our part to the and best I of think our yeah, I think that's really good. And and it's no um, mystery to people that doing what I'm doing with Elijah Fire kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, I just never would have thought I'd be doing something like this. But when the opportunity presented it, itself, I knew. I knew that it was God. And I think that there's a message in there about like in this season about where we put ourselves to not preconceive where we think we fit. Well, in my opinion, God, I think I would best be used over here. It's like, it could be something completely different. And I think totally. that that's something, you know, something to be very aware of, but it came, this came out of intimacy with the Lord. It came out of um, spending time in his presence. And then this opportunity presented itself and it was way out of left field for me. But it was ultimately right. I knew it was right. So you knew it was right because it came out of intimacy. And I'm smiling yeah. because the Lord pulled the same okie doke on me. The Lord, I mean, he <laughs> you can never get ahead of the Lord. The Lord, yeah. he's so interesting, intriguing, unfathomable. Yeah. I just love the Lord. You know, yeah. there was a week my family went to Florida. And no kids, no wife. I'm just going to spend the time and pray. I'm praying like a praying mantis every day. Lord didn't speak anything to me the first day, the second day, third day, or the fourth day. It wasn't until the end of the fifth day. And at this time, I was traveling a lot to Africa, traveling a lot to Asia, Europe. And I'm praying about missions, going into these third world countries, working with leaders, doing all this stuff with you know yeah. people that's in poverty. The Lord speaks to me on that fifth night and about five dreams and the next day, four visions. I mean, it's just like the heavens open. And he's telling me about celebrities, actors, rappers, entertainers. I'm like, Lord, I'm not even interested in that. I don't even follow these people. I'm not a fan. And he's like, I'm assigning you to that arena. And so recently I was out in California, but that was part of that assignment. It, was, it wasn't even on my radar, but I know yeah. it's God. And you yeah. know, he said prophetic words to confirm 
you know, I'm, I'm opening up a different demographic and audience for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's good, man. And it's, I think, I think when I was younger, I definitely fell into the trap of like, no, God, you don't understand this other <laughs> thing is I should, I don't need to do that. I need to do this other thing. And it could even be something that, you know, you're called to, but right yeah. now God has you doing something else. And that's a, that's a topic I kind of keep going back to, because I do really feel like there are a lot of young people that God is mobilizing into, whether it's an anointing, uh, it's a specific vocation. Um, it, it could be a sphere of influence that they're being given um, authority in, and uh, it could be contrary to what God has said to them before. And the answer to that, when people are like, did I hear God that first time? The answer is yes. Like if you're in intimacy with God and you hear him, like, like, and then all of a sudden you hear something else, like just stand on that word that God gave you, but be obedient to what you feel like you're supposed to do right now. Cause it's from personal experience. It's the worst to fight against it. It's the worst. Yes. I, yeah. I love the direction that you're going with this. I love this conversation. Yeah. Uh, when I first was really called into ministry, or felt like I was being called. I went into prayer and I told the Lord all of the reasons why he was making a bad choice. I said, <laughs> Lord, I'm not the best looking. Yeah. I'm not the best speaker. I'm afraid yeah. to speak in front of people. I don't like being in front of people. I'm kind of shy. I said, Lord, I can't sing. And then I told the Lord this, this is going to sound really crazy. I said, Lord, when I grew up in church, when people that were called to ministry would get up and testify, they had the, the worst stories of being homeless, living on the streets, having counts. I said, I don't have any juicy mm -hmm. testimonies. Yep. And I said, I said this to the Lord in prayer at 22, uh, 23 years old. I said, Lord, you don't need me. I said, I'll go to church. I'll live right. I'll give all the money you want me to give. I'll be the best Christian, but Lord, you don't need me for this ministry. The next day mm -hmm. I get to work, this lady, Mickey Laws, comes to me. And uh, she has me a little paper and said, the Lord woke up at 1.45 a.m. And on the paper says, I need you. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. we, we think we haven't figured out what we're supposed to be doing. We don't. Right. And yeah. even now, when we look at Jesus and the apostles, he told them, you're going to go to Jerusalem. You're going to minister for you're going to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. But they, and he said, the uttermost parts of the world. They didn't start out in the uttermost parts of the world. They started out, started out in Jerusalem. Yep. But at some point, they heard the word of the Lord that said, go to Asia, go to Rome, go here. That didn't mean when he told them to minister in Jerusalem, that was inaccurate. It just means there was a shifting in their assignment and their That's season. And good. we have to be open to that. Yeah. And sometimes I do feel like God will give you, he'll kind of like, shine a spotlight on like something in the distance and you go, Oh, that's the next thing. But then you don't see all the other stuff in between there and where you are now. And it could be, you know, like, it's like this, it looks like a pretzel, like, like the path you take looks like a pretzel that it's like, uh, you need to go backwards in order to go forwards. And then, you know, yeah. So, um, but so what was that process like of stepping out? Okay. So you got a call from the Lord. You got that letter from somebody that said, I need you. And was it just about, was the rest of it just being intimate with the Lord? And then well, what was that like? I'm, I'm going to tell you that I felt the burden of the Lord on me. I felt like a weight was on me. <laughs> you know, I didn't have, I didn't have peace because I felt like the Lord wanted me to do something. I didn't know all the answers. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I felt he wanted me to say yes. 
And, you know, I went into prayer after spending time in the word and just spending time in prayer. I said, you know, Lord, I surrender. I got on my knees. I said, Lord, I surrender. Now, one of the things was this. I grew up in a Baptist church. Now, you may laugh. I only had two models of ministry that I, I saw at that time. One was being in the traditional Baptist church where you had to wear a long robe. And I just couldn't see myself in that robe. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just couldn't see myself in the long <laughs> religious garment. Yeah. And, and all of the preachers and elders and deacons were 75, 80, 100 years old. And I was in my 20s, so I just couldn't see me doing that. You're like, man, this is like that. not cool at all. This is like. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't see. Yeah. The other yeah. model were the missionaries. And I didn't personally really know any missionaries, but what I saw on television, everything they showed in third world countries, they showed the worst things they could show. They didn't show the cities, the development. They showed the worst of the worlds. And I remember telling God, God, I don't want to be in Africa. I don't want to be over there in the heat with naked people in Africa. with flat. <laughs> That's what I'm being honest. I'm being transparent. I went to the Lord in prayer and said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll wear the robe. I said, Lord, I'll go to China. I'll go to Africa. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll be. And I said, I'll live in the hut. And I said, and if I die, that's fine. I'll accept that call in too. And you know what happened? The burden lifted off of me. The mm. weight lifted. And up, I mean, this supernatural peace came in. And the only way I can describe this peace, I didn't hear this scripture. But if I was to take the scripture and package it up into a substance, it would be Jeremiah where he says, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. Plans mm. to give you a hope in a future and a good expected end. And this wow. peace came in and I just knew then it's going to be okay. I didn't know what he was calling me to do, but if he called me to go to Africa, if he called me to be martyred, that's what I signed up for. You know what? It's funny. Years later, I remember praying one day. I said, Lord, open up the country, the doors to this nation and that nation. There was some African nations. And I, I laughed because I had told the Lord, you know, doing my initial calling, I didn't want to go to those places. And then I was praying all the time for those places and happy mm. to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how that can happen. Cause I remember I, I, even as a missionary, I, that was like for a long time uh, before I was in missions, I was like, Oh, I would, I don't want to be, I don't want to go over and do that stuff with those people. And then it was like, God just gave me a heart for them just and it was actually just through intimacy with him i would wake up in the middle of the night hungry for his presence and i would just stay up for hours and i would just like read and just it was the first time that i'd ever actually like heard the voice of the lord like speaking to me uh, that small still voice speaking to me um and uh and so yeah it's, it's it's interesting how that can happen where god can totally give you a heart so it's like never say never with the Lord. Uh, I've yeah. learned to just not say that, uh, you know, because uh, he'll get you. He'll get you. Yeah, good. every time. Yeah. Every so, time. so obviously we have a lot of young people, young prophets and, and apostles rising up right now. Um, and there are people who maybe are kind of just saw, I guess, as I was like, you know, spending some time with the Lord about this. I just saw that maybe there's some people who are like are being called by God but don't, they're worried that they're hearing it wrong. They're worried that like, I mean, I just, I don't want to call myself a prophet because like that sounds prideful. And I just like, so what, what is that process like for those people? Obviously, why is this significant? Um, wh why is it significant that we, we have young apostles and prophets rising up today, but then also what do you do with that? Like, how do you know that you're called to this? Well, one is significant because, you know, we're all in the army of the Lord. 
There mm -hmm. is spiritual warfare that's taking place and every army needs to be replenished, needs to be refreshed. And you hit on it very uh, early as we were talking that bringing in young people gives a fresh perspective. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. Now, back to the show. Because their experiences, their exposure, uh, their upbringing differs from the previous generation. They see things differently. They perceive things differently. And sometimes they're just more on the cutting edge because they're coming in, in fresh. And the Lord many times doesn't have to tear down old behaviors, old mindsets, mm -hmm. and old traditions that are counterproductive to the new move. Those mindsets, behaviors, paradigms, traditions may have been good for the old move, the old system, the old paradigm, but not for the new. And so it's very important that we have the young people coming into the things of God and coming into their callings. Now, the process to me always starts with an inner witness. You would just feel this tugging, this nagging, this inner something. Then secondly, I believe also that the Lord will witness to you out of his word. You know, there was times where I opened the Bible and I read a scripture that I read a thousand times before, but that day it would leap off the pages to me. It would like hit me. It was almost like the voice of the Lord speaking through the word of God. And then there's the outer witness. There's several outer witnesses. One will be, especially if you're called to the prophetic office, you'll begin to hear the word of the Lord. You'll begin to hear the voice of God. You'll begin to give prophetic words. The first time that I gave prophetic words as an adult, I giggled because I thought this is, what is, you know, what is happening? You know, I look at a person, just know stuff and I'll tell mm -hmm. them. And I was like, okay, this is just coincidental until it became one day it was beyond coincidental and it almost scared me. And I said, oh, it's something real to this. Uh, the other, other outer witness will come from third parties. You know, the Lord says he does nothing unless without two or three witnesses to establish it. It makes it legal. And so he will send other believers to speak into your life. I see a calling on you. I see an anointing on you. I see a prophetic mantle or, or, or apostolic call. And then beyond that, especially for the apostles and prophets, I believe there's an element of the supernatural that should begin to show up to confirm to you who you are, especially for the apostolic call. You know, I used to be humble and the Lord just, I'm still humble, but the Lord correct me. I'll just say the angel showed up at my door. The Lord Jesus literally showed up at my door when I was on a phone call with two prophets and I was screaming and yelling like a girl, like a little girl. It was, if it was on video, I, I would have to take it. It was so embarrassing. I mean, because oh, I'm, I'm talking on the phone and I'm talking to, uh, I'll tell you a prophet, Hakeem Collins and Dr. Lachelle Jones Evans. Yeah. You know, rest in peace to her, but you can ask him. And we're just talking. And I'm, I'm this is uh, March 2007. And when I get to the door, I open the door. Lord is just shining like light, blinds me. And all I can do is start screaming, yelling. And I thought he was there to kill me. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, but I thought the Lord was there to take me home because I was spending a lot of time with the Lord. But a lot of the prophetic words. And things I was seeking the Lord for were not coming to pass. They were not manifesting. A part of me had felt like, you know, maybe I was a failure or maybe I missed it. But I was just, you know, I was just really pressing into the Lord and the word of God, the word of God. But he was just deepening my roots and preparing me. Wow. And so when he showed up, he didn't tell me he was coming. So I thought he was, I said, you guys got to pray for me right now. All I could do is close my, I had my eyes closed because I was blinded by the glory of God. I walked mm. backwards 
and I could I just threw myself in the chair and they prophesied over me for like an hour and a half and, and prayed and said tonight the Lord said he's releasing apostolic dimension to you. Um, but when I look at the prophets, the apostles of old, the Cirillos, the Summerall's, uh, the Wigglesworths, the um, T.R. Osborne's, and um, I can name a number of apostles, Arturo Skinner, uh, Johnny, I could just name a bunch of them. All of them had a supernatural encounter with the Lord. Wow. Wow. Man. So, okay, you, you explained this last time, but I kind of want to revisit this again and kind of just take it because there's some young people who... Maybe they they're in this place where they're like, yeah, I that's me like that. I, I I really feel like I'm being called by the Lord into this arena. So uh, for those that are that don't realize they are, what is a prophet and what is an apostle? Because you explained it really good last time, but I want you to explain it again. What's an apostle? Okay. What's the prophet? Well, I hope I can do justice to it. So yeah. the prophet is one of the fivefold ministry gifts found in Ephesians uh, 4 and 11. And first of all, a prophet should be a servant of the Lord. Uh, that's what we have to remember that all of these gifts, whether it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor, lion and tiger, bear, oh my, all are servants of the Lord. And we're call called to serve. But the prophet specifically is gifted and anointed to reveal the mind and heart of Christ through their giftings. So they have... I want to say an extra ability to hear the voice of God, to see visions and to receive revelations, whether by dreams, whether by visions, whether by impressions, whether by other manifestations, even angels sometimes to convey the word of the Lord. That word of the Lord can give instruction. It can give encouragement. It can give inspiration. It can give direction, redirection, rebuke, correction. Uh, but ultimately, the prophet, to sum it up, is God's mouthpiece all of the ministry gifts speak for god and work for god but when the prophet speaks it's more out of the living word which is called the rhema than the the logos which is just the written word and so they should be able to teach the logos but the rhema should really be in their mouth to speak the word of the lord so prophets are concerned with people being aligned with the heart of god and with the mind of christ now the apostle is very prophetic but the apostle is almost like a a manager at a job. So at a job, you may have janitors, you may have, uh, I'm gonna say like a grocery store. You got the person that mops the floor, you got the person that works as the retail clerk, you got the person that works in the deli, you got a person that works in the seafood section, but they need a supervisor, they need a manager. So an apostle is like a leader to leaders. An apostle is like an overarching gift that doesn't necessarily specialize in one area of ministry. Because evangelists specialize in winning souls and equipping the body to win souls. Teachers specialize in breaking down the word, making it digestible, making it easy for you to understand. And pastors, of course, specializing in pastoring people, but apostles are really um, multifunctional. And so depending on the need, you know, that manager, if somebody calls in for work and say, hey, I can't work the register today, you may see the manager working the register. If the floors are not mopped, you may see the apostle mopping the floor. And so the, the apostle is a multifunctional gift. Ultimately, it's a, it's a supervisory gift, and it helps to supervise and bring the government of God to the body of Christ. Mm. And I think that gives a, that was like a light bulb for a lot of people because they're like looking, you know, in their mind, looking over the, the gospels and even in Acts, the book of Acts, and seeing, ah, okay, it makes sense. Because I, for a long time, actually, I couldn't get anybody to explain to me exactly what an apostle was. Um, 
And uh, they're like, it's kind of like this, but then it's like, you know, like that, you know, and I just think you have a great way of explaining it. You're like, boom, it's this. Um, and I think I even likened it last time to like, it's a Swiss army knife, the Swiss army knife <laughs> kind of, you know, the apostles, the Swiss army knife. So, um, That's good. so what do, okay. So somebody gets a prophetic word, boom, they're all of a sudden like, um, you know, they, they had an encounter all of a sudden they're like getting these prophetic words. What, what do you do with those? Like when you, when you get a prophetic word, you're like, I feel like let's say it's as simple as this one. So-and-so is pregnant. The Lord told me that so-and-so is pregnant. And then maybe God gives them a message about what this child is going to be when they get up. What do you do with that once you get that? Okay. So it's, it's interesting because I was in the kitchen the other day and I turned to my wife and said, hey, such and such is pregnant. And she said, really? And then two days ago, they texted me and said that they were pregnant. I didn't tell mm -hmm. them. I didn't reach out to them. I just felt like God was telling us to pray. Yeah, that happened to me the other day too with somebody. With I hope you don't have that word for us. We're no, I don't. DeMonte, I have something to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> the broadcast would have ended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So I think we have a responsibility to two things. One, to pray over those words, because the enemy will try to fight those words. And they may come to pass without us really praying over them, but... A lot of times there's unnecessary warfare, delay, and all those things that take place when we don't pray over them. You know, the Apostle Paul says to wage a good warfare with the prophecies that went over you to Timothy. Secondly, we have a responsibility to exercise the wisdom of God to help that prophecy come to pass. And now I'm going to be very delicate with that because Joseph had a prophecy that he was going to be over his brothers. He ran his mouth a little prematurely, ended up in the pit in prison. God brought him into the manifestation of the prophecy, but they kicked his butt before. You're right. Um, so when I said, let me use an example that you use. So if someone gets a word, hey, I see that you're pregnant and you're going to have a child and this child is going to be a great person in government. They're going to be the vice president. They're going to be a senator. And God's really going to use them to bring in godly legislation. Then as a parent, what I would do, I wouldn't necessarily try to force my child to accept that calling. I would write down that prophecy, give it to them to have, probably never really talk about it much, but I want them to see it, to have it. Then secondly, the books that I would give them, I would slide in some books about governmental figures, about presidents, about laws. Then nextly, you know, summertime, uh, there, there's so much that happens during the summer. You know, you have summer camp for sports, but also there's there's times where you can take your kids into the seats of government. You can take them into the, the judicial houses or the Congress and take them on tours. So I will begin to sow those small seeds to kind of move them in direction of the word of the Lord. Yeah. And then obviously uh, you'll know that it was that it was true, obviously, when you uh, you start to see it manifest where they start, you yeah. know, you can tell there's a, uh, there's an oomph to the, to them in that arena. So it's a political arena. Um, yeah. So I think that's really good. Okay. So I have a question. Um, we hear a lot of people say somebody will give a prophetic word to somebody. Say they're like in a group of people and they're like, there's blah, blah, you're going to, you know, this, uh, whatever it is. And, and then somebody else will go, I'm taking that for my own. That's mine. Uh, how and why can people do that? 
Because I know there's people who are like, yeah, why, how and why can we? You know, I've seen, maybe they've seen the fruit of it, you know, but they don't even know why. How and why can people take another prophetic word? Someone else's prophetic, prophetic word. I've seen that so many times. I'm going to say, on, honestly, Jeff, 80% of the times, I don't think they're able to take it. Mm. But there have been some rare instances where a prophetic word went forth corporately. And it was as if I was the only person in the room. Mm. It was as if everything else was blocked out. And that word hit me like a ton of bricks. And I knew that the Lord, I'm going to give you one time. A, a, a preacher was preaching. And he said, some of you guys are cowards. You're supposed to be men and women of God. And you're afraid to pray in the dark. And you should have more faith than that. Well, as a child, because of the prophetic gifts of calling, whatever you want to call it, I had a lot of, you know, demonic attacks or strange things would happen at night. Yeah. So Damn. praying in the dark really wasn't something I was excited about. But when he said it, even though it was maybe 75 people there, it was as if the Lord singled me out. It became a living word. It's like it was an anointing upon it. So I took that word for myself. And now not only do I pray in the dark, I don't do this anymore, but I'm going to show you literally. And I didn't know I was going to talk about this. This is right beside me. <laughs> to show the devil I was not afraid of him, I would pray in the dark with sleep shades on. Wow. <laughs> to That's show crazy. that I'm confident in Jesus. Come but on. There's times I've seen people give prophetic words like, hey, you're going to be a multimillionaire. And people say, I'm receiving that too. Right. But But that person, they're not a giver. They're not praying. They're not seeking the voice of the lord they're just you know sitting on the couch eating tasty cakes or something yeah you know i think it, i think it really has to align with your purpose and your calling mm -hmm. and align with the season that god has you in or calling you into yeah yeah i don't I think, think we can do it wantonly yeah right and i think that it's really important to be honest with ourselves too because like even when i was in film school i was like god because I, I had had some prophetic words about, you know, filmmaking, video production, all of that. And so this was my first step. And I just said, I, I was like, God, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste your time. If I'm not good at this, I'm going to be really, really honest with myself. And, and, and I'm like, I basically was just like holding it with an open hand. And it's like, uh, cause I just think that it's really important to, to not, it was like my, that was my final confirmation. God was like, yes, I am calling you to this. Yes. You know, here, here's favor. Here's all these things uh, during that process. And I think that it's important to, to be honest with ourselves, to not be kind of delusional about it. Maybe you've romanticized the role of a prophet or you've romanticized the, the role of, of being a pastor. And that's all, you know, is, you know, like you were raised around pastors and you're like, Yes. Therefore, I am I'm going to be a pastor. And God's like, no, I'm calling you to be play baseball. No, I'm going to be a pastor, God. So I think it's important to be honest, honest and honest with ourselves and, and open, you, have an open, open hand. You said something, and I love that. Many people, when they're on this side of it, before they're in it, they romanticize it. They mm -hmm. see only the, the glamour or the highlights of it or the influence of the position. But honestly, I tell my wife this all the time. I had more fun just being a prophet than when I became an apostle. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work. It's nonstop from 6.30 a.m. in the morning to 11 at night because I deal with people around the world. My phone is ringing. Text messages are coming in. It's nonstop work. And so it's not very romantic. The romantic part is the intimacy with the Lord and seeing that you're co-laboring with the Lord to bring his will into the earth. Mm -hmm. The rest of it, 
there are some high points, but most of it is laborious. Yeah. And I would even say for like this, this type of thing, the amount of spiritual warfare I come under uh, on the regular is, is intense sometimes. And it's just like, man, um, stop it. (laughs) Uh, I've been privy for several years to some of the emails from not just here, Elijah, uh, uh, Elijah list and Steve uh and the warfare. Oh yeah. It's insane. People don't, I mean, and you have to smile through it and press on and still obey the Lord until victory comes. Yeah. Like I've gotten, uh, I I can't even, I don't even know if I said it openly on like a, a recording, but there was like, there's been a couple of times, one time in particular where like right before I was about ready to go. And one of the ways that I get, uh, I get migraines when in heightened spiritual atmospheres. And there was one time where we were going to be talking about a really intense subject about new age and millennials infatuation with new age and Gen Z's infatuation with new age, big, heavy topic. Uh, one that Satan doesn't want to be exposed at all. And I got just like this bombardment of just spiritual intensity, migraine, couldn't see. Um, and I, I, this righteous indignation rose up and I said, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I am going to do it a full episode with the migraine because Satan doesn't get to win. And the second I committed my vision cleared up, I could see crystal clear. And then it was like, for like, there, there was this window where I was able to do it. And then the, the second I felt like kind of the anointing kind of come off for that broadcast, it was like, vroom, it just like closed back over me. But it was like this moment where I just like stepped in and I was like, no, I was like, Satan doesn't get to win, you know, but there's a lot of that, you know, um, you know, I get demons will come and show up in the middle of the night, try and harass yeah. or harass me just that I'm like, Nope, gotta leave. Sorry, man. Gotta go in the name of Jesus, you know? Yes. Um, and you get become very, I become very aware of, uh, you know, uh, people's thoughts when I'm in stores, witchcraft, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, it definitely comes at a cost though. It's, it's very, um, it's cool though, to see God. I mean, I'm sure you could definitely agree. It's cool to see God fulfill his word, do amazing things, impact people's lives, but it does come at a cost. It's a heavy it burden. A, it comes with a cost. And what's interesting as well, when <laughs> I just talked to a woman of God and she's getting deeper into her calling of really, you know, starting to step in it. And she had some demonic stuff happen and she was just, but why, why is it happening? Why did I see that? Why did it? And I was like, Look, you better get used to it and don't get all worked up. It comes with the territory. And I think you begin to see so much more of God that like you did, you just pray, you take authority, you brush it off and you know it's going to happen again, but you don't allow that to stop you, slow you down, become a distraction. And and some of the stuff, if you weren't in God, it would be unbelievable. Oh, yeah. To understand, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just think it's important to... um, to not look at the resistance you're facing with something as, uh, oh, I'm not supposed to do it. Because sometimes it's the exact opposite. The reason why you're supposed to do it is because you're facing that resistance because the enemy doesn't want you to do it. Um, And he's like, well, let's just, let's see if DeMonte will quit on me. You know, he'll (laughs) quit. He'll quit on the Lord. Let's see what he does. You know, let's just, let's hit him with stuff. So um, uh one thing I kind of want to jump around a little bit because we got some other things we, we hit because we went down a couple of rabbit trails, but it was good. 
It was good yeah, stuff. Great. But Love it. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate and become a partner today. But I want to hit, because there's a, the title of this episode is Prophetic Intelligence. And it says, you say here, how prophetic intelligence will help reap the next mass harvest of souls. So what is prophetic intelligence and how is that going to help? Well, I want to go back to we are in a spiritual battle. There's spiritual forces, good and evil, angels, demons, God's side, Satan's side. We know ultimately God's going to win the war. But there are many battles, many, many multitude of smaller battles uh, in the midst of us getting to the end of that war. And we want to win as many battles as possible. One of the things that helps armies win is intelligence. You know, World War II, the submarines were just terrorizing ship shipping for Britain and for the U.S., just sinking so much precious cargo that supplies and resources and food had a difficult time making it across the transatlantic uh, routes. But when we were able to crack uh, the submarine codes and crack the Enigma codes, we were able to stop how the enemy was terrorizing because the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. So prophetic intelligence allows us to uh, overcome the plans of the enemy through the wisdom of God. Paul says we're not ignorant of his devices. Many times the enemy is using devices, meaning tricks, trickery, uh, things that we're ignorant of to gain the upper hand with us. Uh, he, many times he won't fight us head on with authority or with power. He'll use open doors. He'll use legalities. He'll use these tricks and, and, and deception and cunning. And so prophetic intelligence that comes from the kingdom of God, whether by the Holy Spirit, the Lord himself or angels or however, gives us an advantage over the advantage that the enemy has tried to use with us. As well, in the past, most of the time, the body of Christ has responded to cultural changes and societal trends, Mm -hmm. meaning if the music changes in the world, the body of Christ will try to mirror a little bit the sound or the flavor uh-huh. or even with the dress code or even yeah. with the presentation of the gospel. We're, you know, the world will be ahead of us and we'll be catching up. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw that a lot as well with COVID, where a lot of ministries did not have an online platform. A lot of businesses uh, already had them, you know, and so they had to catch up with the bell curve. And so prophetic intelligence allows us to be ahead of the bell curve of trends that's taking place, allows mm-hmm. us to be ahead of uh, when, you know, new apps come out or new cryptocurrencies and those things. Because I, I, I know a gentleman, he's out on the West Coast. Over 15 years ago, he was telling churches, he was telling pastors to invest in cryptocurrency, to invest in Bitcoin. And they laughed wow. it off. They scoffed at it. And they would have been multi, multi, multi millionaires, maybe billionaires. And so we need the intelligence so that we're not behind the world. We're not behind what the enemy's doing and that the people of God can be just as much on the cutting edge because it takes resources to win souls. You know, if I want to go over to India, it's going to be a plane ticket. Now, the Lord can supernaturally transport me. But. I think Lord maybe has a weight limit with that because I haven't seen any heavier people get supernatural. <laughs> yeah, well, it's always a small, short guy. So I, I don't know. we need to we need to research that. I don't know. Yeah, but, let's look into it. Let's run a full investigation. Yeah, I think I, I think you may qualify, Jeff. I don't know if I'm. <laughs> I, I don't know. 
I, I I'm I'm tall and and heavy because I'm tall. Okay. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> but he can supernaturally do it. But more often, um, he uses the natural means that's that's available. Um, and so it's a plane ticket. You got to pay for a hotel. You got to pay for you know it's it's things that's involved. And so it takes money. The gospel is free, but ministry costs to mm. bring. Ministry. If you want to rent a stadium, it's costly. You know, pay for the sound system, costly. All of those things. Security is costly. And so with that, I believe prophetic intelligence will position us economically. It will position us that we're already in positions in legislator, legislation. We're not trying to wait to some ungodly laws and then we're out there picketing. We already have people in place <laughs> that the Lord has set up like Joseph and Daniel. Right. We already have people in the music industry. Uh, that know that they're about to be demonic music, demonic concerts, and they're praying and they're reaching out to the people they need to reach out to to stop some of these things. So we can be ahead of some of the plans of the enemy, prevent them and bring in the kingdom of God to reap the harvest. It's interesting you bring that up because on yesterday's show with Matt Kuhneman, I kind of addressed something very similar where I said for years we've been praying, God, we want to take media, we want to take arts and entertainment and government, and we want to, God, we want to glorify you and all these things. But what's interesting is that if you look at historically, whenever there was like, especially during more conservative times, the outsiders, the artists, the people that were speaking to the voice of the people were uh, definitely not conservative. They were speaking a different voice in that was different than the status quo, whatever it was. And so now it's interesting that we've been praying that. And I've actually begun to see a shift where now we see the bulk of what's being propagated are is Im immorality, all these things. That's the status quo now, unfortunately. But God is right, right, raising up righteous people, positioning them into places of influence to for him to speak something different to speak his message into the people so really we're getting what we prayed for it's just it's hard and it's not looking like it's it, like we would have hoped like well god i just thought you were going to open the door and then like here you can do it now you know and it's it's taking it's a struggle it's it's but in that struggle we become stronger as we learn to stand up you know with the lord in these difficult places and so i think what you're saying is very timely um and it's good it's really good yeah and I, I think part of that prophetic intelligence is knowing who are the right people to put into the right systems and places. Yeah. Because everyone that's a preacher doesn't need to be in in, in the White House trying to talk to the president. Everyone that's right. a prophet doesn't need to be out in Hollywood. Everyone that's an apostle doesn't need to be in the school system. There are people mm -hmm. that God has prepared. I'm sure there were many prophets in the days of, of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. Daniel was skilled in sciences and all types of learning that he could stand there and not sound unintelligent and not sound, he didn't have to talk overly religious. He could be super spiritual, trances, visions, angels, seeing the Lord, caught up in visions. But at the same time, he could talk about languages and, and sciences and learning. And so, uh, you know, I believe that that's part of a prophetic intelligence as well, knowing who belongs where and supporting those people that belong in those positions. Because, you know, in the past, and I probably was one, there were certain preachers that ran for political offices and they were ridiculed. And I felt like God called you to preach the gospel. You should just be preaching the gospel. But now, as I've grown a little older and lost more hair, I feel 
maybe a little different about that. I feel we have a ton of preachers, but there may be some that maybe need to hold office and they'll be praying and preaching right there in their office to people. And so I believe how we see things and view things, there's a shift that's taking place, like you said. Yeah, I think that's really good. But also on top of that, as people get into these places, just to kind of segue into one of your other points about the importance of spiritual fathers and mothers in this next move of God. Um, let's talk about that. Why is that important? Well, one of the things that happens when the young, younger emerging ministry gifts get into position, they get influenced, they get a voice. Sadly, oftentimes there's a pride that comes in or we got this, we understand it, we understand the way. I don't care how knowing it, how gifted you are, experience. There's some things that you only learn through experience and through maturation that having spiritual fathers and mothers to speak to you and to share with you out of their experiences, to tell you, hey, I tried that, it didn't work. Or, hey, watch out for this, watch out for that. It can help you from having these heartaches. It can help you from falling into these pitfalls. It can help you from falling into these traps. Because, you know, sometimes... We've seen, I'm, gonna not, not, I'm not going to name any names, but one trap the enemy can set up can deter a ministry for the rest of their ministry, whether it's 20, 30, 40 years later. People remember that one moment versus the 10,000 victories they had. And so the prophetic fathers and mothers really help to safeguard each move of God. And then those, those that are the younger prophets, apostles, teachers, uh, influencers, they become the prophetic mothers and fathers as they gain experience and maturation for their next generation. Mm. So I'm already seeing, thankfully, Illumination just made a, a note in here too. I'm already seeing the comments of people saying, okay, Demonte, I hear you, but how, how do you find good spiritual parents? What do young people need to look for? One, I want you guys to pray. I want you to pray because no matter how good you think you are with discernment, God knows what you need. Many mm -hmm. times when you're young, you only know what you want or what seems good. No, for you. come on. Yeah. <laughs> but God knows what you need more yeah. than more so than what you want. Secondly, look for consistency in their character, mm -hmm. in their lifestyle, in their uh, conversation. You know, they're look for that more than giftedness because there are some people that are highly gifted they can do many things mind-blowing things three years later four years later they're not on the scene they're in scandals they're in you know trouble but look for people that li their life lines up with the word look for consistency stability because ultimately the goal is to finish well whatever it is god called you to do bring glory to god and be pleasing to him mm -hmm. and so you want people to have 10, 15, 20, 30 years under their belt and they're still in the flow of God. They're still in the, the vein of God and they have character. They have the fruits of the spirit and you see God in their life. You see God on their life and they have some things operating through them and with them that you desire to have in your own life. Those are some of the things that I would tell people to look for. And also they don't have to be, uh, you know, a hero of the faith, quote unquote. Yes. It, it, you're not looking for platform. You're looking for character and consistency and all those things, right? That's one of the biggest things that I see now. A lot of people, they try to go after whoever has the spotlight and they get mm -hmm. disappointed because oftentimes the Lord is going to give you someone that maybe is not popular, maybe is not well known, but mm -hmm. what they have is what you need. 
you know, and a lot of the people that have a big platform, they're not going to be as accessible because they have a big platform. And so you you may miss out on some nourishment that you need um, in your spiritual development. Yeah. So don't create preconceived ideas of who it's like, oh, it's going to be Bill and Benny Johnson. Of course it is. And yes, (laughs) and I'm going to show up and the crowd is going to part and they're going to be like my spiritual son or spiritual daughter. I've been waiting for you, you know? So, uh, you know, maybe there's people like, Hey, that actually happened to me, you know, but whatever. Um, I had the opposite happen. I was invited to a meeting. There was a big evangelist there. They were supposed to be at this meeting. And I told my friends, I said, he's going to call me out the audience. He's going to lay hands on me. He's going to prophesy to me. And I'm going to be commissioned to go into full-time ministry. When I showed up at the meeting, he didn't even make it to the meeting. He wasn't even there. So oh, I wow. knew I completely missed. But yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So actually something that I wanted to, I in my prayer time, the Lord had, had given me a message to actually give to to boomers, baby boomers, and actually some Gen Xers as well. Um, so and I've shared this with my mother-in-law, who's a baby boomer, my friend Jim, who's a baby boomer. Um, and it's uh, so I just want to tell it really quick because this is a perfect time to talk about this because um, a lot of people in my generation and even in um, Gen Z, a lot of us don't, us, I, I obviously had parents, but there are a lot of people who didn't have parents or parents that were present in their lives or set a good example, spiritual example in the Lord. And the Lord is calling up some of you right now to keep your eyes open for those opportunities to take younger people under your wings. It doesn't matter if you, you, the perception that you have is, oh, we have nothing in common. The Lord is calling some of you to take on spiritual children. And so to keep your eyes open for those and to not say, oh, what do I have? I I don't have anything to offer. I don't have Absolutely not. That type of talk has no place here. Like God is calling some of you up to reach out to my generation and to instill in them values because you are consistent. You do have good character. You haven't walked away from the Lord and you've, you have decades worth of experience. And my generation so desperately needs people like you to, to be parents for some of us. And so uh, I just wanted to encourage you to that. Keep your eyes open because the Lord is going to be opening those opportunities, especially as we're in this new next move of God. There's going to be so many people coming to the Lord who need people to show them how t- this is how you, hey, come over here, imitate me as I imitate Christ, just like Paul said. So there it is. Great. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's going to be one of the key elements of the next outpouring or revival or awakening, whatever you want to call it, is that. People don't just get a touch and excitement and a memorial to, hey, I was part of this thing years ago and it died off. But there's stronger discipleship and fathering and mothering that takes place that people can mature and they can really move into their own assignment and their own destinies after the smoke clears. Mm, yeah. The smoke of God's glory. You know, it yeah. never clears, but after it clears in that moment that was strategic for whatever God wanted to release and reveal in the earth to be revealed. Yeah. And I just think there's no coincidence that there's, um, you know, this show is really geared towards millennials and Gen Z and we're, you know, slowly but surely taking steps in that direction. But we have a lot of people who are 50 and above, 60 and above. And what I just said, that that prophetic word I gave, there's no coincidence that we have that many people that are part of the Gen X 
the yes. late Gen X or, um, you know, baby boomer generation. Uh, and it's giving them a lot of perspective. I've seen a lot of people commenting saying, I get it now. Like, oh, that totally, whatever the topic is, like, I get it. Some of them have kids who are my age and they're like, I finally understand why, why they're acting this way, this specific way, whatever it is. So God is doing a really, really important thing. And, and I think a lot of it is God is wanting us to be less clan based where it's like, okay, well the, the boomers had their thing. Okay. Now it's time for the gen Xers. Okay. Now it's time for the millennials and you guys all did your thing. Like that's how history repeats itself. Um, yes. And God is wanting us we're, we are part of one body. And, um, and I think that that's what God is wanting to do in this next move of God is really going like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta go after the younger generation because they're the future leaders. Let's all go together. And it really is about taking all the generations, the whole body and going towards the millennial generation and Gen Z and being like, let's go together. It's not, I need, we need the, the baby boomers absolutely yes. need the baby boomers. Um, cause I, I just, I, so I love gleaning from people. I don't care how, how old they are, how young they are. Like God is speaking to people and it's like, I'm so, but I'm so hungry for, um, you, you know, the more spiritual parents, the better, like, let's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. when I was young and my wife and I were dating, um, she said to me, I was in my twenties. She said, how come a lot of your friends are so old? I said, what you mean? She said, this guy's 70, this guy's 60, this one almost 80. And, um, <laughs> I laughed because it was true, but that, that's where I was getting wisdom from. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. And I believe right. that the wisdom they imparted, you know, even if some of them, I don't know where they're at or they passed on, bless God for them because it just gets to multiply throughout mm -hmm. the ages and they get to live on as well. So that's very powerful uh, commentary that you just gave a very powerful prophetic nugget and prophetic word. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how, okay. Uh, we kind of are talking about it now, but your last point or not your last point, but the last point we're going to talk about, it was not the last in the list. I kind of jumped around, kept you on your toes, Demonte. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it's about how this next revival or outpouring is going to look different than ones in the past. So what has the Lord shown you about that? What have you personally seen even? Well, personally, I'm going I'm to tell you this, that I was caught up into, I don't even want to call it, it was a vision, but I'm going to say it's beyond a vision. It was like the Lord took me into the actual moment of time. Wow. You know, in past revivals, there's been emphasis on healing. There's been emphasis on miracles. There's been emphasis on uh, holiness and repentance like Brownsville. Uh, there's been emphasis on joy and, you know, the times of refreshing like Toronto, you know, mm -hmm. each revival had their different signature stamp voice of healing from uh, 47 to 56 really was about healings and, you know, deliverances, more healings and miracles than deliverances. But what the Lord showed me, this one would really be about a revelation of the father. Mm. Wow. And I, I saw it as, as if, the father was coming down over cities. And I saw in the vision that in these outpourings, which was more than one place, the whole town came under the influence of God. Wow. And it was as if the entire atmosphere mm. was supercharged, electrified, changed. And even those that didn't understand it, they knew that something was taking place. And the Lord showed me in the spirit realm, it was as if, and I believe God has different thrones, the throne of the father had touched down on earth in that geographical location. Mm. 
You know, with Ezekiel, I talked about, he told him, go out and meet me in the desert. And his throne was out there with the set, with the cherubim. And when that began to happen, I saw that principalities were dethroned and dismantled. Wow. That's a whole nother revelation. Yeah. But long standing strongholds and bondages uh, were broken over those cities, over those families, over those individuals. And there were miracles, there was salvation, repentance, holiness, all of those things. But I believe in this next one, there's going to be a real revelation of the Father's love, mm. of the Father's call for us, not just to ministry, but to him through Jesus Christ. And I believe that it's going to be not so much about a personality, but about people coming together to worship. I believe it's going to be a spirit of worship released greater than ever before that's going to just bound up the hands of the enemy. And then I believe as well that there are going to be because the Bible says Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God, it won't just be the power of God when it when it lifts. There are going to be plans released from heaven, blueprints. Wow. What there is to do next oh, yeah. for those cities, for those nations, for the body of Christ. And mm. people are going to literally overnight be caught up into the purposes of heaven in a greater capacity. I believe even now I want to use myself. I'm walking in the purposes of heaven, but I believe there's always a higher potential for God to bring us into his purposes and plans. And so those are some of the things that I see that mm. when it lifts off of that city, off of those people, it won't just be, oh, we had a good time. It's gonna be, we know what to do next. What we're doing next is very purposeful and very strategic. And we're actually advancing the kingdom. We can say from this date, this happened, and we're moving forward with the vision and blueprint of God with power, with love, with joy, oh, so and all of those things. And also, yeah. unity. A lot of revivals or outpourings often were within a certain demographic of the body of Christ, whether ethnic or denominational. And, you know, sadly, after Azusa Street, people got filled with the Holy Ghost, but they split based on, you know, your oneness or your Trinitarian. I think mm -hmm. this next one is going to bring a greater unity and unification with believers, regardless of ethnic orientation, political orientation, uh, upbringing or denomination affiliations or any of that. I believe there's going to be a great degree of unity released. Mm. And it's interesting because it's something I often say on the show at ad, ad nauseum uh, sometimes is, is about how God inserts narratives into yeah obviously satan is doing stuff in in the arts and entertainment industry but god is also speaking to public and one of the one of the messages that is over the past couple of i would say the past couple of decades now has been all about unity and those types of messages are increasing even more and obviously there's the 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 fake satan's unity agenda but god god is doing the same doing thing the same thing but better uh, cause Satan's a counterfeit. Um, and so, um, but so I 100% agree. Um, I, that's something I've been seeing in movies and TV a lot. It's just this whole idea of unifying coming together in oneness and, and, and with a common goal and objective. And so with that in mind, how, how do we posture ourselves into this? Because obviously we can't force God's God's going to pour out when he's going to pour out. Right. Um, but how how do we posture ourselves in a place of being like, okay, what can I personally do? I'm standing and I'm believing what DeMonte just said. I, that really resonates in my spirit. I 100% agree. How do I posture myself then to march towards this move of God? 
how do I how do I do that? One, I think it's always staying in a place that we're open to God and we're always giving him a yes. You know, I tell people this. Sometimes people say, well, how come I'm not hearing the voice of God? I said, it may be the mercy of God that you're not hearing his voice because he knows that what he really wants to tell you, your heart is not prepared to say yes. And if he tells you what he wants to tell you to do for him and you rebel, it opens the door for the enemy and you suffer loss. So the Lord in his infinite mercy is holding back some of his voice or his revelation until you're in the place of surrender. We have to daily make sure that our heart is subdued to the love of God, that we are always in the place to be open to him, always willing to say yes to him. And that, you know, if we ever begin to rise up, because, you know, sometimes we get lackadaisical, we get, we get lukewarm. We mm -hmm. have to allow just that relationship with the Lord to be our priority and always be saying, I'm here, Lord, I'm available. Use me, Lord. I say yes. I don't know to what or what it's going to entail, but Lord, I'm so just immersed in your love. I know that you love me and whatever you have for me is going to be good for me, good for the body of Christ, good for you. And I trust you, Lord, that I say yes. I think if we stay in that position of yes, being a yes man to the Lord, being a yes woman to the Lord, mm. then we'll be right where he wants us to be with the right people, right place, right time, and the right things take happening by the mm. spirit of God. That's so good. That's good. All right, DeMonte. Well, I want to give you some time to just pray for the people, you know, so just praise you feel led, man. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you for each and every viewer. We just thank you for the, the conversation today. We thank you for the prophetic encouragement today. Lord, I just pray for those that feel that God's hand is nudging them into a fivefold ministry calling God. I pray, Lord, that you would give them supernatural clarity that you would give them supernatural understanding of what it is that you've called them to do, but more importantly, who it is you called them to be in you, God. And Father, I pray, God, for those that are wrestling with hearing the voice of the Lord, that you would give them that, that time away, Lord, that, that secret place, that they'll begin to not only hear your voice and have confidence in hearing it, God, but they would experience your presence even the more. And I pray, God, for those that are working for you, but they're not working in the position that you called them to work in in this season, that there will be a divine realignment and a divine recalibration, God. And I pray, Lord, right now in Jesus Christ's name, that any that feel weary, that you will strengthen them by your spirit and breathe fresh life into their hearts, that they may be able to run this next leg of the race with joy, with peace, and with excitement in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Mm. Amen. 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 how can people follow you and what you're doing? Well, on Facebook, it's uh, demonte.edmonds as well. On Facebook and IG, it's uh, at Demonte TV, And those are probably the two best places to follow. Uh, we do have a website, www.f4nations.com, f4nations.com. Mm, awesome. And then really quick, what was the, um, I said it in the intro, what's the, I believe it's called Freeways? Highways? Highways, freeways? that's the television highways. program. Airs uh, Channel 57 in Atlanta, also online. You can Google it, find it online as well. Airs some other places overseas as oh. well. But uh, that's cool. the name of the, the TV program. Very cool. Well, DeMonte, man, thank you so much. It's always great to get to, to hang out with you, um, you know, and uh, I really appreciate you, you coming on the show. It was great. Thank you so much for the opportunity and blessings to the viewers. Yeah, everybody, that's our show. Be blessed. Uh, and we will see you again next week. Have a good one. Bye. 
This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.